Hello everyone and welcome back to another It's All About Asheville podcast with your hosts, Mr. Warren and Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris, it has been action-packed. We're getting so close to the finish line, I just can't wait. Wow. (laughs) Do I I sound like a robot? Because I kind of feel at the moment. You sounded like a horse commentator. (laughs) And they're off. (laughs) No, absolutely. It's been uh, wonderful. It has been busy. I think the definition of busy uh, is definitely what it has been around here. But it's been fantastic. So, first up, we've got to talk about the sports results over the weekend. We do. So, uh, the hockey, we played ample fourth. And ample fourth won in the sort of the long the long game throughout but the first had a really good win uh 3-2 so they finished their their season on a high and to be fair most others were very very close so well done to the girls and on the rugby it was a clean sweep over silicone school which was absolutely fantastic and the boys under 16 basketball team went away and they beat Leeds city college as well 59 46 so really really well done in fact on the rugby side of things i think all teams played really well but i'm going to give a special shout out to my under 12 a team uh and b team but the a teams especially played a superb game of rugby and everything came together in perfection well done for the last game as well silcokes were a good side and um we had to play well to beat them and we definitely, definitely played well. Well done. Uh, and then uh, our first 11 boys had a pre-season for hockey yes. against the North Yorkshire team. and an North Yorkshire? Under 17s, under I believe. 17s, yep. That's an um, impressive win, isn't it? Yeah. And a couple of couple of under, was it 15? I know that Oren, Oren played, a year 10 boy. Yes. Oren played for North Yorkshire, which is really good. Uh, but we, we had a good win against them. Uh it was 2-1, which is good. And then the we had some netball as well, didn't we? Or was that? Oh, no, that's basketball. Sorry, basketball. The under-17 girls beat St. Aidan's and St. John Fisher's sixth form, uh, or very close, 34-32. Absolutely, Bobby Dazzler yeah. of a game that sounds like. And then just yesterday, sir, we had a very close game of rugby here against Yarm School, with Yarm just pipping it. But our first 15 boys really did push them right to the last minute. In fact, we could have snatched it in the last oh. play of the game and just couldn't quite get over the line. And we're, only, we're only centimetres away, that's for sure. So now that we've covered the old sporting events... House events. House events and also some events that have taken place. I'm going to start with the Old Ashvillians Decade Lunch. Remember they came, the free lunch? They had, they had quite a number of people there. It was really, really good attendance, so thank you if you came along to that. And it was really nice to hear Mr. Forster was there. Excellent. Uh, obviously very popular with the Old Ashvillians. Good man. Um, and we obviously had the carol service uh, Sunday just been as well. Uh, the Trinity Methodist Church. So I know that there were, you know, a lot of people there, uh, which is fantastic. Absolutely. And then we went over to the House DT competition, which I absolutely love, which I've mentioned numerous times on this podcast. 
what a great event that was. Duckworth came third, sir. Oh. Some would say robbed. Some would say we were lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a brilliant, brilliant event where they had to get a marble to travel 15 seconds down a course. 15. And then get an automatic pull up to the top again. Wow. So it was a marble run. It was brilliant. So I'm not going to mention who won that because I think that'll go towards the results. We're going to go over very, very shortly. But it was a great event. Excellent. Now, sir, I have the results for this term. I have the results for the Rig Cup. I have the results for the Festival Trophy. Yes. But also, I have a new Asheville Cup winner as well. Sir, would you like me to put on an epic sound tune? Yes, please. I'll okay, start. so hang on. Hang on. Just give me, me the cue. Right, well, yeah, <laughs> let me give you the cue. Sharpen up, bud. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to press the button now. Just wait there, sir, for the music to kick in. Over to you, sir. So, the new Asheville Cup. Sorry, I'll start again. The Asheville Cup is a new trophy which runs throughout the college, 2 to 18. And we decided the overall leading house calculating prep and senior school results together. The house in first place in the Asheville Cup for this term is Duckworth. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know this, by the way, everyone. Uh, Come on. Now, sir. Hang on. So that's one down. How many did he go? Two to go. (laughs) Now, sir, would you like to know the festival trophy or the Rig Cup first? Festival trophy, please. Where would you like me to start? At the top or at the bottom? At the bottom. At the bottom. At the bottom is Riverdale. Hard done by Riverdale. By quite a margin, I see, by points. Who's third? Alice. I think we're second and I think now, the mighty Windermere. Second and third are quite close. Only six points. Okay. Duckworth are in second. second. Okay. Windermere are a long way ahead. Oh, Mr. Knowles and the band of... Merry, merry men, men. And, men and women. The merry Windermerians. Windermerians, yeah. yeah. Now, sir, the rig. <sighs> very, very close, actually. All four positions. Alice and Riverdale, a joint third. Oh, okay. Okay. I think we've pipped it. Can I just say that? I think we've pipped it, but you're looking at me now like... No Windermere winning both. Oh. Yes, you are correct. Are they? Duckworth a second and Windermere a first. Now, I'm going first down to last. 84, 78, 69, 69. So it is very, very close. All to play for in the next two terms. Definitely. So thank you very much to Miss Thompson for giving me those stats. She's the statistician. She is yeah. the statistician. Well, not surprised. She no, does a great job. I can't job. do it. <laughs> she does a great job. Up and coming events, sir. We've got Bradford Grammar for the first 15 boys. That's going to be their last game. Good. Excellent stuff. We've got, uh, that is on Monday the 12th of January. Oh, sorry, Wednesday the 12th of January. Okay, excellent. Looking forward to that. Good. And I just wanted to mention here that next term, the boys move to hockey, the girls move to netball. So if you're at home wondering what's going on, that's what's going on. Excellent. I can't wait. Cannot wait. We are off to Mr. and Mrs. Marketing. Now, I see you've put here no score last week. Well, it might have been said that. 
I sent away the podcast list last week and I had a little cheeky email back from Mr. and Mrs. Marketing saying, we noticed that you didn't mention the score last week. And that may have alluded to the fact that they won. Ah, so that was sort of an underhanded... Come on. We noticed that you didn't score last week because uh, we wiped the floor with you. (laughs) And to be fair, they did. (laughs) So there are a number of things that we're going to mention today. And again, thank you from Mr. and Mrs. Marketing. We do really appreciate the highlights uh, of what's been going on. So first up, we have the Performing Arts Christmas Concert, which is led by Director of Performing Arts, Mr. Boyd. And that will... Uh, premiere at 7pm this evening on YouTube so you'll be able to go and view that whenever you want but it will be premiering on YouTube tonight good that it's on YouTube eh? Um, so we've already spoken about the Trinity Methodist Church service which was on Sunday but we totally forgot about the Ripon Cathedral which was on Wednesday how could we forget I don't know well we've got to give them a chance don't we Got to give them a chance. Anyway, the Ripper Cathedral was uh, videoed, and that'll be released to the Asheville community next Wednesday. Really? So, I've seen the video in past have years. You really? Brilliant. Oh. Absolutely fantastic. Highlights from Friday's newsletter, because obviously they've done a double Christmas whammy last week and now this week. Uh, special festive message from the head. Uh, lots more Christmas stories, including one on uh, festive giving, a roundup on acts of kindness from the six forms, uh, feedback of, sorry, food bank drive, uh, and card making. An article about the forthcoming six form taster day on the 20th of Jan. So that's going to be really informative. Excellent stuff. Uh, and then we've got an article about baby acorns. Something, something that's, that's brand new. Yes. 2022. Excellent stuff. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. And that's for parents and babies zero to two to meet and socialise. And the last one, Staff Spotlight, which we are so glad hasn't shone on us yet, sir. (laughs) Never will. (laughs) The last one of the term will be Deputy Head Co-Curricular, Miss Anna Wilby, who is an absolute legend. She's a superstar, isn't she? She is a superstar, 100%. So thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Marketing. You might notice that we're not scoring today either. I reckon we won that. No, we didn't. No, we did because oh, you can't you can't give it to them. You just can't. Can Let's you? just say honours even again. Honours even? I'll go honours even. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Now, sir, Secret Sound. Secret Sound was won by Johannes yes. from the Briggs House. He Briggs. guessed the word, which was? Clock Tower. So we need a new secret word for today, sir. Now, I have to admit, I haven't got Johannes or Josh their gifts yet, but I will. They can wait. Briggs boys are patient. I'll get me Christmas presents this year, the ones that I'm not quite sure about. (laughs) (laughs) May go go to them, Uh, but I will get those to them. So, uh, new sound, sir, if you could think of one and yell it into the box now. Can I just say that's absolutely village, and you are the one that's going to be giving this present to oh, the person. Hey, that was fantastic. All right. Yeah, good on you. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no, You're going to make it hard this week, sir. I'll make it very, very hard this week. So, sir, we have got Fight for the Right to announce, because I'm announcing today, I'm yes. introducing our guest. Yes, you are. 
obviously last week you lost. So let's go and see who's going to who's going to pick first okay. from the question that we've got. Okay, you ready? Yes. One, two, three, shoot. <laughs> oh, again! <laughs> again. Oh my okay, gosh. Okay, so this week's question I'll put on now. Hi, Mr. Harris. Hi, Mr. Warren. I have a question for you. How far in kilometres is the width of Australia? Good luck. So, sir, that one came from Lydia in year 11. So that's thank a, you, Lydia, for that That's a question. tough question, isn't it? And because I've won, I'm going to say you go first. Oh. So how far is the width of Australia in kilometres? Um, I'm going to say 5,184. That's a lot. I'm going to say 4,500. Okay. Okay, so let's Google it now. Oh, do we need to Google it? it? And we'll see oh. if we've got it right. Righto. As I'm a tech whiz. Uh, <coughs> um, <laughs> 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 uh, Australia is approximately 3,860 kilometres wide. So I win again, sir. Can't wait to keep doing this. This is like extra work for me. But I have to say, with the one time you have won, which was Mr. Horsley, oh, you made a shocker. Village. Shocker Perhaps, job. Because I'd forgotten. Even on the day, he was like, am I doing it or are you doing it? <laughs> anyway, we're going to go over to our guest now. We are. Uh, so hopefully everyone listening to this really enjoys it. Big guest. Huge. Our special guest today may be relatively new to the school, but she has already covered many miles of corridors, sat in many meetings and attended a wealth of events. She has an amazing amount of teaching experience and has inspired more pupils than I've had hot dinners. And sir, I've had a few hot dinners. <laughs> I can see that. What more can I say? But today's on today's show is the head honcho, the big boss, the captain of the ship, the gaffer, the chief, the leader of this tribe, the person who pays my wages, belly for money, <laughs> the one, the only, our head of Asheville College, Mrs. Wilkinson. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You missed out being the big cheese. The oh, big cheese. Oh, that yes. you know, I, I looked at 24 different things. <laughs> <laughs> What's your cheese of cheese of choice then? Cheese of choice. That's an interesting one. Well, I, I am from the other side of the Pennines, so Lancashire's pretty good, but we have a soft spot in our house for Harrogate Blue. Oh, I oh. do like a Harrogate Blue, you know. I don't know. I've never had a Harrogate Blue. Have you not? Never had a Harrogate Blue, yeah. It's just cheetah for me from just, New Zealand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no taste. That's a lie. That's a lie, to be honest. I love my cheese, yeah? Love it. So, Miss, first question, straight into it. Mm. What does the future hold for you here at Asheville? What's your vision? My vision? Uh, so, um, I want very much for this school to be seen as one of the jewels of Harrogate. It's a fantastic school. Everything about it uh, is just what you would want for your child to experience during these very important years. It's a community. It's a nice size school, 2 to 18, broken up into small parts. So you're part of a smaller world within a bigger world in a beautiful location. And we've had obviously quite a bit of history associated with this school over nearly 150 years, 145 actually. And so my vision is for it to be really glittering and shining as we go into the 
Christmas period, thinking of that, you know, the start, the top of the tree. That's what I want Asheville to be in the future. Um, and my vision is for the children to come out of these difficult years loving learning, uh, wanting them to be academically successful so they can go on to achieve success in whatever field they want to enter into. I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy being here for it to be an extended family um, experience. I want for them to be prepared for the world beyond our walls and beyond the town of Harrogate, thinking about future careers, future travels, experiences. So really it's about thinking what Asheville can be, what it has been, drawing on what it has been, navigating the choppy waters of the last few years and setting our path for us to be a happy, successful community where children grow up feeling that, you know, there's nowhere else they'd like to be. That's I like that. Comprehensive. Yeah. But the thing, I think the thing is, you know, a, a, a beautiful school. And I, I think we are a beautiful school. You yeah. know, on a day like today, you can't beat being at Asheville yeah, College. When you walk you know? across and oh. you see the, the cricket outfield yeah. and, and the, the, the building in the background and the sign. Asheville College, it is. It's Definitely. a pretty place. And and obviously Harrogate is a beautiful place. It is. I mean, yeah. you've obviously taught in many different areas of the UK. Yeah, I have. And the thing about Harrogate is that we've chosen this to be our home. So maybe a little bit like you two. We're nomads. So mm. we're from the other side of the Pennines. I'm actually half Welsh as well. So really that's, that's partly home for me. Uh, but we both left homes in Lancashire to go to university, actually both went to Oxford. And after then, um, neither of us have settled anywhere. So we've been uh, all around the UK with our uh, jobs and, of course, across the world, many thousands of miles away, working in fantastic schools. And then we came back to the UK and we were in the southeast we had a hankering to sort of go north again. So we always knew we wanted to be in the north. And then it was when I became head at Harrogate Ladies College that we really fell in love with this area of North Yorkshire and of the north. And, um, um, well, I'll, I'll, you know, it broke my heart really to leave in 2013 when I was offered the opportunity to move back down south to High Wycombe to head up Wycombe Abbey. I was really dragged kicking and screaming because we had settled here. We'd made it home. My children felt for the first time that they belonged. And so we'd always promised ourselves that at some point we would buy a home here and this is where we'd settle. It's really interesting because obviously we, we're both from New Zealand and, and we kind of feel the same wherever we go now. We always pretty much say it's not as nice as Harrogate. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that when I go to different places in the UK, I'll say home and people will assume that I mean New Zealand, but yeah. I mean here. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. And, you know, I mean, it, it is a fantastic spot. It and is. to have a school like Asheville College in a spot like this is just, it's fantastic. Yeah. You always know a good place when you have families coming back. They yes. might work in London when they're younger. They start having kids. They start coming back, and and you know, it's like Mr. Horsley saying, you know, he's 
he's teaching the kids of kids that he taught. I know. That is amazing. I've always said, actually, that young people in Harrogate remind me of homing pigeons. That's know, for that right, reason, yeah. they might they might travel off to university, then on to London, maybe even go abroad for a while. But uh, if they can, they return back here. And it says a lot about their place, I think. Yeah, definitely. Right, your next question, Miss. If you could be good at anything that you're not already good at, what would it be? Well... I've thought about this. Actually, what I'd really like to have had the opportunity to do is to have learned an instrument. Um, so the story is that my both my parents were made to learn instruments by their parents. Uh, my father was actually um, on track to be a classical violinist. His mother was a serious musician and he was forced to do it. So when he went to college, he abandoned the violin and he took up the saxophone and he played jazz and he just did what he wanted and he enjoyed it. But he made a little promise that he would never inflict learning an instrument on his child. And, and my mother was the same. So she'd played the piano. So they sort of had this liberal belief that, you know, we'll let our children find their own way with music. Actually, I really enjoy singing um, and I think I am quite musical, but I've never, never had the opportunity to learn. So maybe when I retire, that's something I could do. What instrument yeah, would, what you, would you take up? Do you know, I thought you might ask me that. I'm thinking drums. <laughs> <laughs> no. Electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of jamming. There you go. Uh, no, um, I thought it would be the violin, but then I thought, well, what about the saxophone? Because yeah. clearly yeah. that's, you know, played a big part in uh, my life listening to my father. So um, there is a sax actually under the stairs in the house that my waiting. son played for a while when he was at school. So yeah, it's waiting, ready. Never too late because I know one of my old teachers, he learned to play the guitar at the age of 50. Oh wow. And he's amazing now. Yeah. You know, and, and I've I've got a few rugby injuries that have held me back on the guitar, but, you know, it's never too late. So during lockdown, I, um, I acquired or I, I bought myself a recorder <laughs> and um, I, I learned a few tunes on it, but yeah, I'm not good. But that's, uh, that's my musical talent. But that's the instrument you start with, isn't it, really? Yes. Yep. The one Mr. Harris finished with. That's <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so your next question, did anyone inspire you to become a teacher? Gosh, well, this is going to sound like the uh, the same story, but uh, my parents are both teachers, actually. Um, my father was um, an art teacher, art and design. He was actually a biologist, but he was pretty talented all around. So uh, at the time he went into teaching, they, uh, they were short of people to teach art, so he took it up and uh, was a phenomenal uh, teacher and I learned a lot during uh, the 1970s so um, I have to be careful here otherwise I'm going to sound like uh, <laughs> some of your previous guests in terms of age but um, uh, I went to school with him uh, when it was the um, electric strikes in the 1970s and I watched him and really thought this was just marvellous seeing him engage with young people how he dealt with people so I learned a lot through that then my, my mother was a primary teacher 
she's still alive. She's 91 now uh, and uh, still talks about education, which I think is phenomenal. And she she was terrific uh, with younger children, watching her uh, take on the most uh, recalcitrant pupil in terms of teaching them to read and write and things. I grew up in a quite a a poor area of Manchester. So I went to school with 40 children at primary age. And she was one of the teachers in the school. And I just think that's quite amazing to mm. teach 40 children uh, how to read and write. And they weren't allowed out of her classes until they've been able to do that. So yes, I, l I learned a lot from them. They've been a major influence in my, in my life. Yeah. yeah, very good. This, this is obviously, you've probably got many, but you, what's your biggest teaching success? And that could maybe be as a teacher or it could be as a head or, or wherever you want to sort of direct the conversation. Yeah, um, well, as a, as a history teacher, um, I like to reflect on those people who embrace your subject, who you manage to enthuse and share your love of the subject and for them to think, actually, this is something I can succeed in. And the numbers who have gone on to study history at university, um, yeah, that's a source of pride to me. And I can I can see them in my mind's eye now. Um, I worked in big comprehensive schools. So I've taught classes of 20. In fact, one year I had two lots of 20. So 40 upper six uh, pupils and, uh, and a large number in that. Uh, cohort did go off to study history um, and I remember feeling you know this was a great sense of uh, pride and then moving on into having posts of responsibility I think I'm particularly proud of moving to Hong Kong and working in the big international school there and being asked to take on responsibility for leading the sixth form I think I was about 28, 29 at that time. So I hadn't That's had good, too it? much experience, but I I took it on and uh, threw myself into it. And we started with about 16 children. And at the end, when I left, there were over 200 and wow. we'd built a new sixth form center. That was good to be involved in the design um, and building, you know, building the right culture, staffing it appropriately thinking about the curriculum and working with pupils who, because of the nature of an international school, they were going to head off all over the world to university. So I had to learn about how to guide and assist them to get into the US, to the UK, to Canada, Australia. I don't think I've sent anyone off to New oh, Zealand, but there we go. No um, one's been that you know, lucky. I'm sure. <laughs> At some point, I've taught some great Kiwi children as well. But um, so that was a that was a terrific role to have, and um, it was very exciting to be part of something that was that was growing. So, yeah, that was earlier on, and then later on, you take great pride as a head in thinking about how you build uh, how you build teams, how you build a culture, how you create a sense of community, how you hopefully. Uh, can um, encourage everyone to uh, move in the same direction with an eye on what the shared vision is and taking collective pride uh, in where you know where you end up. And is, I like to think that that's happened as a head. Is that something that you've developed naturally or is that something that you felt you've always had or have you gone to 
to courses or classes or read books? I don't. I th- I don't think leaders are born. I think they are made. But I think they're made out of opportunities that, for some people, they're easier to come by than they are for others. So naturally, I uh, had um, a heads up by having two parents who are teachers, because all teachers are leaders in their own field. I think as well, uh, going to a girls' school um, in um, Manchester when I was. Uh, obviously of secondary age, I met some truly inspirational female teachers. And I think they they taught us to believe that anything was possible, that and you know we could do whatever we wanted to, whatever dreams we had. And I think that influences you as well. Um, other things, my mother insisted that I wasn't going to have a Mancunian accent growing up because, of course, <laughs> she was Welsh. So I was sent off to elocution lessons. And actually, it's, it's put me in good stead being able to project my voice. And uh, every Saturday morning, I had to go and take those classes uh, with a little old lady down the road. Um, what else in terms of leadership? Well, I, I don't forget the fact that I've I'm man, married a teacher, fellow historian, fellow history teacher, fellow head. And of course, um, I've learned a lot from him because he was the pioneer in the sense that he was ahead before I was. Uh, my career is so diverse because I followed him for so many years when he was moving from post to post. I had to follow and reinvent myself, taking on sometimes roles I wasn't necessarily experienced in, but certainly had to learn quickly. And being married to a fellow head, you know, it's always someone to bounce ideas. Yeah, I was going to say, it must have been a great sounding yeah. board. Yeah, and yeah. we made we made the conscious decision, um, well, over 10 years ago now, about 15 years ago, that we would switch roles and I would be the one to take the lead and he would follow. And fantastic. So it's worked well. That is fantastic, isn't it? Like you say, it does work well when you've got someone who is, is keen to watch you grow. Yes. He says I'm his best pupil. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> if you could put anything into room 101, what would it be and why? Well, Damien can uh, make you laugh with this because I actually wrote back to him and said, where's room 101? I was thinking it's a part of Asheville. I don't even Top know where it is. Tower. I hadn't even thought about anything beyond Asheville, let alone uh, George Orwell. Um, I hate snakes. Oh, okay. Yeah, really hate snakes. I'm terrified of them. Um, you don't come across too many in you know this neck of the woods, though, really. So the thing that I would like to get rid of particularly from my own garden, are slugs. Slugs. Oh. Oh, I can't bear them. Do you know what? I've, I've never seen a snake in this country, but once when I was in Switzerland visiting my sister, we went on a walk, and I, I think I was throwing a stone or something, as you do, and I picked up a stone, and in the bush beside me, there was just a snake. <laughs> now, I didn't realise there were snakes in Switzerland, yeah. so I was a bit like taken aback. Is that real? Well, there are, there are the old grass snakes over here. Yeah, vi- I, I, vipers as well. Yeah, I've not adders. seen any. Mm. I thought there were only adders here. A viper in England. Isn't a vi- viper an adder? No. I don't oh, yeah, know. Well, yeah, okay. I don't really like snakes like <laughs> no. you, to be honest. <laughs> Get off the subject <laughs> yeah, exactly, quickly. Yeah. Really quickly. Next question. <laughs> uh, what's the best school trip you've ever been on? Oh, now that's an interesting one. So, uh, plenty, obviously, as a historian. Um, and very exciting uh, times um, we've had. But 
I sometimes reflect now that I wouldn't let my younger self go on the school trips that I actually um, led and managed at uh, quite a tender age. So the ones that really stick in my mind are to uh, the former Soviet Union, to the USSR, as it was known. Um, I've always enjoyed teaching Russian history, always selected to teach Russian history at A-level and quite a number of GCSE syllabuses have um, history of Russia in it as well. So I took um, a trip oh, when I was in my early 20s uh, to Moscow and St. Petersburg through Intourist, the USSR travel agency, which was very generous because it used to give for every 10 pupils on a trip a full free place to an adult. It was obviously about promoting oh, wow. communism and so on. So um we they were they were very uh, good to work with as well very organized very efficient so off we went to moscow and st petersburg great fantastic opportunities did that twice and then thought well there has to be more to it than this because you know let's face it uh, the Soviet Union covers, I think it's about a fifth of the world's total land surface. It's a pretty big place. So uh, the one that sticks in my mind the most uh, is that we decided that having flown into Moscow, we would then go east and off into uh, across uh, the Ural Mountains and into the uh, old Silk Route. Mm. Uh, so into uh, Uzbekistan, uh, Kazakhstan, visiting places like Tashkent, Samarkand, and taking uh, pupils there. But the story I remember vividly was that um, I was uh, quite fascinated on one of our trips. I think it was flying uh, into Tashkent, and we we flew uh, in parallel to the uh, mountains, uh, which. Uh, denote the border with Afghanistan and I was quite intrigued by that so I took some photographs because you do sometimes don't you to plane windows nothing uh, harmful in it but when I when we got off the plane I was actually arrested and uh, taken off on the left you know, my pupils obviously with the with the, my colleagues, um, but disappeared for hours uh, in a in a prison cell, waiting for various translators to arrive and to have it explained to me that actually uh, it was very sensitive because of the war that was happening between Russia and Afghanistan at that time. Uh, so wow. my camera was taken away from me, the film ripped out ceremoniously, and uh, they put the fear of God up in me. And then when I got back to the hotel, well, uh, the children <laughs> just so delighted to see me. I've never felt so appreciated <laughs> and loved. But um, yes, that's the only time I've ever ended up in a police cell. <laughs> that's quite you, scary, you, though, you isn't must it? Have, I mean, I would have been petrified, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, especially in a foreign country. Where you, that's right. You haven't the, got you know, the language. No, that's, that's right. right. And you're yeah. wondering whether or not the translator's doing a job. You know, yeah. we, yeah, have seen many, we have seen many stories of yeah. of uh, them telling you one thing and what does it say and all that type of thing. Yeah. Oh, so you went on trips like that and, you know, how long would you be away for? Because obviously going from Moscow, St. Petersburg yeah. to somewhere, you know, yeah. Uzbekistan, yeah. it's quite, it's a distance. Yeah, so it was, a, I think it was two weeks um, and it was during the Easter holidays. Okay. So obviously um, you had the time to do that. But the other trips, we would always go in February half term because it was cheaper. And also it was uh, very snowy and white and yeah. beautiful and different. So we went uh, one time from St. Petersburg. We actually went up into uh, Murmansk, which is in the Arctic Circle. 
and oh. it was so cold your eyes were freezing you know the, the sort of the water in your eyes oh. and uh, in your nose and we went cross-country skiing and all sorts of very unusual things at, at, the, at that time so I think we're talking here about 1987 1988 something like that cool amazing that is amazing if you were not a teacher what would you have been and why? What I did seriously uh, think about, but it was more of a, a pipe dream than reality, because I think when I was growing up, we didn't have any guidance or support, or we didn't necessarily come across people who did things that were radically different to what our parents did or what their neighbours did. But one thing that interested me but I would have had no idea how to have gone about it was actually to have joined the BBC and I would you know like to have been a presenter maybe on the news or programs like Panorama always interested me and uh, so I think now I know how you do it but I had no idea at the age of whatever it it was yeah so how do you get into it well you kind of do need to still know people in the industry don't you Uh, I suppose it's a little bit easier now but I definitely know um, my father was into media back in New Zealand and it is very much a who you know oh, right, okay. because there's only only a really small amount of positions so therefore you know, high demand eh? high demands yeah. they can sort of I think nowadays I mean you you can apply to work in a sort of graduate scheme for organizations like the BBC I think they're really tough to get into, very, very competitive. And I think that Damien's right. You've got to sort of almost build up a a, ne- a bit of a name for yourself, some work experience. And, you know, you, sometimes it's about having a lucky break, yeah. isn't it? Mm. My son, uh, when he was at university in Manchester, he um, worked for the Mancunian, which is the university uh, newspaper. And he was their sports uh, editor and uh, used to write... Uh, for them, mainly about Manchester United, of course, you know, because <laughs> according to William, there's no other sport or team that you would be interested in. But he um, he really had his heart set on being a sports journalist because he'd had this experience. And on the back of it, actually, he was invited to present on um, a Muslim TV channel. So he used to wow. go over to Huddersfield and, uh, and, and talk about football, you wow, know, sort of Gary cool. Lineker style. He loved it. I used to have to tune into him, you know, channel 853 <laughs> or something on a Saturday morning to watch him. But, you know, there were no openings, even though he'd had some experience and he was truly passionate about it. It's not the sort of thing that you can... Know, just readily fall into yeah. these things are limited. Uh, I think the, the easiest form of media to get into, which is a very tough job because it's so difficult to find good people, is actually live commentary. They really struggle to fill well, live there you commentary are, boys. spots. But it, it, it's an art, though, isn't but it? It's an absolute art form, yes. You know. We should, like you, you say, know, I think you two could consider this. <laughs> We've talked about it actually, steps. haven't we? Well, yeah, there'd be comedy value. So, <laughs> <laughs> saying every name, saying every name of the players incorrectly. Yes, <laughs> real skill. No, you've got to practice that That's beforehand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quite a serious question. How has education changed in your time as a teacher and now as a head? Well, of course, schools really have, haven't they? From when when you're at school yourself to these schools that you experience when you're you're an adult and 
over the decades and there have been a number of them you know you see you do see changes i think it's become so much more challenging for young people i feel for them more than i think about how it's changed for me because we adapt don't we life is about ad- adapting embracing change challenge difficulty riding it through it's what we it's what you do but i think for young people schools schools are essentially the same but they're different because of all of the societal changes there have been and i think you know the pressures on them from the media um pressures on them from use of you know technology it must be pretty tough and i and i do think about about that for them but maybe what we have to do therefore is ensure that schools like ours are happy communities where children can still be children where they can feel uh, the pressures of the outside world taken away from them and that they can enjoy childhood for as long as possible and it's one of those things that I know we're all aware of but I think it deserves saying and that is if we live longer and I'm touching wood here for everybody in and living longer means into your hundred and something mm then actually why should childhood be shorter? Why should it be eroded by growing up too quickly, being aware of all of the things in the outside world that are troubling adults? I actually think it's our duty to protect them even more because life is going to be long. They say the first babies have been born, um, which will reach the age of 120. That's amazing. I think it's also... um, you know, giving them that, that safe community to fail yes. and not be judged, yes. picked back up That's right. and said, come on, yeah. let's keep going. And that's what life life has to teach you, doesn't it? And uh, that is something I know that we're all very conscious of, resilience, we call it, don't we? And um, being able to feel that you can make mistakes, you can take risks, you can, as you say, fall down pick yourself up again and, and no one's going to judge you for it. No, that's dead right, yeah. yeah. Uh, if someone asked me, you know, what was the most stressful point in my life to date, some people say, you know, maybe it was when you bought your first house or whatever. Yeah. And I'd say no, being a 13-year-old lad or 14-year-old lad, such a long time ago, I've almost forgotten, <laughs> that cared really deeply about what I looked like. Yeah. And, you know, if I had a spot on my face, I would be like walking around trying to hide it all day those are the moments that are really mm. truly stressful and I'm just glad or that I didn't have technology back then where yes. yeah. you know I, I didn't yeah so it would have been even more difficult yeah, it would have been right. even more challenging difficult. to yeah. navigate yeah so we're here uh, you know, and we support families in the, the challenges they face in dealing with all of that on top of you know childhood that I think uh, that's why we have to work very closely together with our with our parents Because I think we want to make sure that they do have the happiest childhoods that they can have. 100%. Yeah, totally agree. Last question before we get into the quick fire. What do you feel makes good leadership? Well, again, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, I suppose there are different types of leaders for different types of situations. But I think good leadership comes from... a a good degree of emotional intelligence, understanding people... um, knowing you know knowing what it feels to be human um understanding 
how you can get the best out of people. I think you've also got to be prepared to roll your sleeves up and get involved, show it, you know, model it, not just sit around telling people what to do, giving orders. I think good leaders are courageous. I think they sometimes have to stick their head up of the parapet and make some tough decisions, always explaining them, being transparent about why, but saying, you know, I have made this decision because I feel it is in the best interest in our case of the pupils. You know, their interests are paramount. Um, So I think having the courage to do that. I think you've got to be creative. I think you've got to have vision. I think you've got to um, have, you know, that inner inner strength. I think you've got to be calm, calm in a crisis. My goodness, I've had on occasions to model that um, and deal with some, you know, things I'd rather not have had to deal with. Of course. But lots of lots of characteristics, and I think different things for different, you know, different times. But I th- everything underpinned by values, everything underpinned by a moral compass about what you think is good and right, particularly in the interests of young people, because it is their, you know, it's their lives that you're you're working with, and you want to make sure that that they have the best experience in their younger years as they can. We're their role models. Definitely. It's time for the quick fire it round. Is. Now these, hope well, they won't be too hard, but they will be fast. <laughs> so you don't get any preparation <laughs> no for this, I do. Oh my no. goodness. Right. So I'm up first. You are. I'm going to ease you in nice and, and, okay. and kindly here, miss. Uh, would you rather play at Lords, Twickenham, Wembley or Wimbledon? Wimbledon. Ooh. Tennis fan? Mm, I used to play tennis when I was at school and uh, had a few tennis lessons. Um, in One summer went off on the bus as you used to do then to uh, go and get some tennis lessons. And so, yes, I played um, in my younger years. And then when I was a young teacher, uh, this was when I was living in South Manchester, I joined the Northern Lawn Tennis Club which is quite well known, a uh, great place to be, great social tennis. And that was, a, yeah, very happy years. So I, I do love tennis. So it wasn't long ago because you're obviously no, still a young uh, thank teacher. You. No, <laughs> not long ago at all. <laughs> I'd love to go to Wimbledon. Just to think. I've been. Oh, all right. It is amazing. It's, you know, there's not a, there's nothing out of place. Yeah. Everything looks mm. like it's just been painted. Pristine. You know, it's pristine. Yeah. It is amazing. Would you rather go back into the past to meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great great grandchildren well as a historian i have to go backwards but actually during the first lockdown like many people i did do some work on ancestry.com it was fascinating and i i really went quite a way back particularly with my welsh family and my mother, who's now 91, she really enjoyed finding out all of the things that we were discovering. One of the things we discovered was the fact that we, my grandmother, my Welsh grandmother, um, grew up on a stately home. She was the gamekeeper's daughter, youngest of seven. And uh, she used to talk about uh, the Major Harford, she used to say, because she liked to pronounce her her. Uh, she um, couldn't remember where it was exactly, but through going uh, uh, along Ancestry.com clues, 
we actually found out that this place still existed and it was now a hotel. Wow. wow. So after the first lockdown, when we were, you know, back amongst the world of the living, we went down to Lampeter and found it and stayed in this hotel and just a real sense of calm and happiness and belonging just swept over us. So must have been quite yeah, a surreal experience. It was. And just imagining that she was here as a child. And then little things like we discovered, because she could read and write. So she was born in 1909, lived on an estate in the middle of nowhere in West Wales, and yet could read and write. So I was always fascinated by that who taught her and so on. But we found out there was a little primary school, tiny one-room one primary school uh, for the children of the workers on the estate that Major Harford had built. But better than that was it had been knocked down. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. It was no longer there. We couldn't find it. But what we discovered was it had been moved brick by brick. Wow. And it's now in the National Museum uh, just outside Cardiff in a place called St. Fagans. And so we're going there next to see that little school That's that amazing. she was actually taught to read and write in, which is now a museum piece. That is amazing. That is so cool. I've got to go backwards. The uh, my my grandfather's side, they were all sea captains off Fishguard on the West Wales coastline, and I'm really intrigued by that because I've always loved the sea, and my mother does too. That'll be interesting to go back into. Mm. What would you do, sir? That's a great question. I, I kind of want to do both. Obviously, I have to pick one. <laughs> I'd want to go back as well, I think, just to see what it was like, just to see what the food was like, you know, what the clothes were like. It would just be... You'd it, be a lot bigger than them, you know. Well, that's what I, I, yeah, that I was about really to ask. Should I go back as I am now or would I have to go back sort of... No, it goes back as, as you yeah, are Yeah, I'd now. go back as I am <laughs> now. You'd be a giant, and, yeah. Toby. Yeah. Which leads into my next question. Would you rather become someone else or stay yourself? I'm very happy in who I am. I mean, like you, there were times in my life, particularly in my younger years, when you, when you, when you, you're worried about who you are and what you stand for and where you're going, and it's everything's just can be overwhelming. But they're just momentary things, and actually, very grateful that I am who I am, and I've had the opportunities that I've received. I know how fortunate uh, I've been so yeah thank you would you rather go to a movie alone or dinner alone a film definitely to go to the pictures as I would say (laughs) yeah I like to go to the pictures very Welsh term Uh, yeah I like I I love I love films Um, when you're eating on your own and I have had to do that you know when you go on many courses um, as a head Sometimes you don't really know anybody and it's not, you, you don't feel comfortable to say, you know, can I have my breakfast with you or my supper <laughs> with you? So you sit there and you pretend that you're reading a paper or doing something important on email. But actually, I don't really like that. But whereas in, when you go to watch a film, you, you, you know, you're just in the darkness, aren't you? And you're just absorbed by the plot and the characters. So I guess when you're, um, you know, watching a film or the pictures, um, you're... 
you're not really talking to the person next oh, to you. I am. I'm one of those. Oh, you oh, are no. you? Oh, yeah, Don't sit near you, then. When oh. I get excited, I'm like, oh, that was really good, wasn't it? <laughs> you're one of those guys. I am um, too excitable for the... for the. Yeah, I've done, unfortunate, well, fortunate, I don't know. I've done the film one, and I just didn't like it. Uh, I was young at the time, to be fair. Uh, maybe now. Actually, I think I probably could. But yes, eating alone is... is, is it's, it's hard work, Some isn't things it? are made... To do together, isn't yes. it? And both those things. Yeah. Those things are. Um, your last one. Would you rather become President of the United States of America or Prime Minister of the UK? Crikey. Well, I'm really fascinated by American politics, I have to say. Um, Barack Obama is one of my heroes. I would love to meet him, love to spend time uh, with him. Uh, whenever he speaks, you just think the world's going to be a better place. And it's a great shame uh, that, you know, we no longer have him in post. And after him, obviously, you know, different, different track and and now a different track again. Um, but no, you'd have to I'd have to be prime minister of the UK, I'm afraid. You know, that's something that would appeal to me <laughs> Uh, because uh, you know, ultimately, it's a country that you you grow up in, and you know, and you you know, you feel that you're part of. This is this is where I belong. For all my twelve years of living in different countries, different places, ultimately, you are from one place. So, no, I would be to be prime minister of the UK, and uh, well, you know, I think I think. Um, there are many challenges at the moment that need to be faced and, yeah, dealt with. I better not <laughs> say too yeah. much. You have to be very careful think, here. Are, are you, There's are lots you, I could say, but I won't. Are you basically <laughs> saying it wouldn't be difficult to do a better job? Oh, well, you yeah. can't. I, I couldn't possibly no, comment. That's right. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't kind of comment either. No. <laughs> okay, uh, I know that um, the next segment has maybe worried you. Have you lost any sleep over socks in the box, Miss? Throwing the now, socks. Now I've a little birdie's told me that you've been practicing. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've that missed, wrong. I have missed something here. This is the segment where all our guests come in and we see how many socks they can throw in our slightly small box. I, I've only got tights on. I'm not taking <laughs> no, that don't off. Worry. No, don't, no, we've got <laughs> socks oh, you for you. Socks. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So what do I have to do? So all you got to do is uh, sit there in the in, in your seat yep. and throw the socks into the box. Are you going to move your water? Oh, a bit of an obstacle. Uh, now you so can't. Oh, hang, hang on. Hang on. on. Oh, that was right. a warm-up. That was a warm-up. We'll give you one. We, we're obviously going to do some commentary, uh, trying to, you know, for our future job and okay. uh, the BBC <laughs> commentary team. Um, but anyway, the top is three. So you've got three to beat. I would say the top in the history department was set by Mr. Horsley. Yes. So he's got two. Now, just a bit of running comments. Sorry to... <laughs> she's taken off her jacket. She's moved the microphone. She is ready for this. Okay, here we go. I'm not competitive. <laughs> here we go. First one. Ooh. We've gone long. Come on. Going long again. Oh, no. We're just... This is so bad. No, Short. Here we go. No. Hang on. One more. That one. Oh. Don't worry. Disaster. <laughs> there was uh, none there. But don't worry. There's been a number of zeros. <laughs> so you're, you're, in, you're in good company. That's good. We've had actually old first 15 rugby captain, zero. Mrs. Norton, zero. 
Um, everyone else has got They're point. the but only two at the moment, but it's 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 well, a lot I more difficult. Well, if I had known, I would have practiced. There you go. <laughs> it is it is it is more difficult. It, yeah, it we were doing difficult. it yesterday, and it was it's hard. How many did you get yesterday on your f- second run, sir? Five. No, on your second run, sir. Five. <laughs> <laughs> on my first, I got two, and then I hit. Four? I think so. Yeah, so there you go. But it, yeah, it's difficult. I think if you have another go, a few more goes, it gets it yeah. obviously gets easier. I'll practice for next time. <laughs> Miss, it's been a real honour to have you on the show. It has. Um, I've learned a lot. This is why I love doing this podcast, because actually I learn a lot from interviewing Definitely. the guests. Um, you've obviously been not here very long, but you've made a big impact already. Great to have you on the podcast, and um, we just look forward to working with you in the future. Well, thank you, and thank you for doing this, because I know how much people enjoy listening to you on a Friday afternoon. So, Well, we, we really enjoy doing yeah, it, so yeah. it's, a, it's great. It's, it's great. Thank you, and happy yeah. Christmas to everybody, and let's hope that 2022 is a successful, healthy year for all of us. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Wow, how inspirational is she? Inspirational, knowledgeable... You can see leadership comes just really oh, easy. So easy. You know, she says you're not born with it, but, you know, she's got it oozing. Because I kind of expected uh, Miss to go, oh, yeah, I've read loads of books. I've done all these courses. Yeah. And it was very much, well, I've sort of learned as I've gone along and I've learned from others. Well, she's obviously had some, you know, very influential people around her to, to help her out and guide her, but she's she's flying. Absolutely flying. I could imagine this on the BBC. Couldn't you? <laughs> Look north, here we yeah, come. That's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, so what can people do if they want to help us out on the podcast? Uh, like, share, subscribe, you know, email us. Um, tell friends, tell family, tell fellow pupils, tell fellow old Ashvillians and just anything to get us up and going. Absolutely. And, and that's probably the biggest thing. If you know someone that might enjoy this. That might be someone that you work with at Asheville. Yeah. That might be an old Ashevillian that's left some time ago, an old member of the staff and community. So go and share it with them. And that has happened time and time again as from what we've heard. So it's been fantastic. Sir, it's been a pleasure doing one with you. We've got a couple of weeks off. We do, yes. Uh, and um, I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. But I'm also looking forward to getting back on the show and we've got some exciting guests to come up we in the do, future. We do, but just make sure we're all safe over Christmas, okay? Eat as much as you can. I know I will be. All right, celebrate as much as you can. And like I say, just be safe because we know there's a lot of nastiness out there at the moment. Certainly is. Anyway, until next time. See you later.